Hey friends, I'm Julie Holmquist and you are listening to Kairos Moments Podcast. God's been speaking to you for a while and you know you are called to something. It's time to stop playing it safe with your faith, time to lean into your calling, and time to bring those God-given dreams to life. It's time. Let's do this together. What do you do when you thought you've heard from God, but then you experience a roadblock? Shifting our perspective from what is seen to what is unseen is a key component to pursuing our God-given dreams, not to mention living our daily lives as believers. My guest on the show today is Abby McDonald. Abby wrote a book called Shift, Changing Our Focus to See the Presence of God. Abby and I talk about having an expectant heart the heart that expects to receive what God has for us and not expecting our own plans to come to pass and how we want them to play out. Abby said when she didn't see God show up in her life the way she expected, she hit a wall. She began second-guessing the voice of God in her life and if she was even able to hear Him. I've been there. It's a difficult place to be. I've been there in my marriage, my parenting, and in a dream my husband and I had together. But if we want to see God in the midst of our struggles and to know that he's there, we have to change the way we look for him. The book Shift explores the life-changing truth that when we adjust our lens to focus our eyes on God rather than on what we wish we were seeing, he reveals himself to us. In fact, those moments when he seems invisible to us are often when others see him in us the most. Hey, Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Julie. I'm glad to be here. So I want to talk about one way of seeing God move is that we need to have an expectant heart. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? When I talk about having an expectant heart, I'm really talking about a heart that is open to receive what God has for us. Because I think a lot of times where we get tripped up is... We are expectant, but we're expectant of our own plans and how we think things are going to play out. And if you're anything like me, you can have a really specific, (laughs) detailed plan for how you think things are going to go. And then when you take that step of obedience or the next step, whatever it might be, If it doesn't go that way, then you start second guessing yourself. You Mm -hmm. start second guessing God and did I really hear God? And so really an expectant heart is a heart that is open to seeing that God's path may not be exactly the way that you think it's going to go. And it will still be good and it will still be full. One of the quotes you mentioned was, and this is from you, it's not a quote from anyone else, but instead of expecting God's best, I ask him to protect me from the worst. And Mm. how many of us in the name of preparing and planning and all of that, you know, it seems responsible to plan and prepare. And of course there is that, but we need to expect God's best, no matter what our plans are, right? Right. Tell me how that script needs to flip, so to speak. Right, right. 
Well, I think that it has a lot to do with our personality too, Julie. I am an Enneagram six uh, for anybody who's into the Enneagram. And so that's sort of my nature is to just constantly prepare for those worst case scenarios and to try to protect myself. And a lot of times that that can be good. God can use that. But sometimes I end up driving myself and everyone <laughs> around me crazy. And so by expecting God's best, what that is, is knowing that no matter what happens, God can use that situation. And he is going to walk with me through that and he is going to be my strength. And mm-hmm. like it says in Second Corinthians, it is in our weakness that he displays his power and his strength in us. And so if I don't ever have any moments where I'm forced to rely on him, mm-hmm. then I'm just going to rely on my own self-sufficiency. And goodness knows that that can get me into a heap of trouble. And so, yeah, I think it's really um, just knowing that he's going to be there no matter what, that if something does go unexpected, that it's okay. It'll be a little bump in the road, but that we'll be better on the other side of that if we turn to him and rely on him. Yeah, that's good. I liked how you said, if I don't ever have any situations where I need him, why does he, he doesn't even need to show up, right? Right. And my husband will attest to the fact that in my planning, I can get too far down in the minutia of how I want things to go. And mm-hmm. he had to sit me down one time and tell me, Julie, you can't plan for all the contingencies. Right. You just have to move forward in faith and trust that God's got this. What was going on in your life that made you write the book that kind of birthed the book in you? Well, what was going in my own life going on in my own life, Julie, was that I talked about this a little bit before, but just not seeing God show up in my life the way I expected and taking those steps of faith and hitting this wall Mm. where I didn't know what to do next. And I started second guessing the voice of God in my life and whether I was hearing him. And I kept hearing similar stories from friends and family members in my life. And they would tell me, you know, I really felt like God was speaking to me, but then I hit this roadblock and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward from this. And so I took that verse where it, it's Second uh, Corinthians 4.18, where it says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, because mm-hmm. what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And I started thinking about how do you practically apply those words in your everyday life? What does it look like to fix your eyes on the unseen? Because I think a lot of times we read these words and they inspire us and we want to live them out, but we don't necessarily know how we do that. Right. And so that I wanted to break that down and go through some common situations that we all face in our own lives and how we shift that perspective to the eternal. So that's what really inspired me to write the book. Share with Mm -hmm. me one of your Kairos moments where 
God spoke and you responded because you recognized his voice, you Mm -hmm. obeyed and everything changed. Well, one of my Karis moments was actually after I wrote this book, Julie, and um, I had a, a bit of a health scare where I had to go in for a repeat mammogram or a a diagnostic test where they saw something on the original screening and they weren't sure what it was. And it was actually about a month um, until they were able to get me back in. And so I had that waiting time. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so I had a whole month where my mind could just go all these different crazy directions And I actually thought that God was trying to prepare me for something because I kept having these moments where, uh, for example, uh, I asked a friend to pray over me, a, a close friend, and she prayed for healing. And I thought, well, wait a minute, am I sick? You know, like, I I don't need you to pray for healing. I want you to pray. There's nothing there, you know? And, and then uh, October, when I had the diagnostic test, happened to be Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And just these little things, you know, and I thought, well, maybe God is trying to prepare me for the fact that I have cancer. So I'm sitting in the waiting area. They've done the diagnostic test. I've got my robe on. And I'm sitting there scrolling through my phone like we often do to try to numb ourselves and just, you know, mindless looking at social media. And I was getting a poor signal. I couldn't really pull up anything. And I noticed this Gideon Bible that Mm. was sitting on the end table. And uh, this Bible actually had a defect in the cutting of the pages where there were certain pages that were sticking out more Mm -hmm. than the rest. So it created this natural bookmark. And so I opened it to that page and it was Psalm 27, where it says, the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And in that moment, I I realized that God doesn't speak to us in these parables and puzzles like he spoke to the Jews. Mm -hmm. He can speak to us directly through his word. Yes. And he doesn't have to leave these little breadcrumbs for us to follow. You know, that's not how he speaks to his children. It was just like a warm hug from God. Mm-hmm. And I realized this is the voice of God. You know, not all of these things that I've been thinking or second guessing, like he's given me these puzzle clues. It really just inspired me to really spend more, spend more time in prayer, spend more time in his word, because those are the ways that he speaks to me. Those are just a couple of the ways, obviously he's infinite, you know, he can speak to it in so many different ways, but that was definitely a moment where I just knew that that was God and yeah, he, he changed my thinking. So, yeah. So you have to, you can't leave us hanging. (laughs) 
I was fine. I was fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They came back and, um, it was, uh, one of those things where they, they couldn't get a clear reading the first time. And so, yeah, they had to, to get more different angles of shots. And so everything was fine, but yeah, I mean, even though, even if it hadn't been fine, I don't think that was, that was, would have been God. You know, because right. what what purpose would that have served? Right. But even if it wasn't fine, that word from Psalm 27 made you feel like God's got this. Mm-hmm. I am his yeah. daughter and mm-hmm. I don't have to fear anything else. There's a part in your book that says, um, the problem is many of us live as though he isn't there. We walk around and do life like we're orphans instead of like daughters and sons who have a helper. We make decisions and face the problems with the mindset that we have to do it all on our own instead of with his spirit, equipping us and giving us the courage and the power we lack. Talk to us a little bit about the difference between an orphan mindset and a a son or daughter mindset. Yeah, Julie, I think it has a lot to do with the way we interpret some of those situations that I was talking about before when we either hit a difficult season or we hit a roadblock because a lot of times our interpretation of an event like that is, well, God has left, you know, um, God has abandoned me. Or if we're praying for something specific and we're not seeing God answer us the way that we envision, um, that can be another time when we think, well, God just must not want to hear from me or Mm. God is not answering. And so we can get that orphan mentality and think, well, it's all up to me. You know, I have to do it on my own and I have to make this happen. And that's one of the other things I talk about in the book is our interpretation of God's no and how we can often respond in three different ways. And that's one of the ways that we can respond as we try to take the situation into our own hands. Mm. We try to make things happen on our own, which rarely turns out uh, well, as I can, I can definitely speak to that. But I think that with that orphan mentality, we have to shift our thinking from God will give me this when I am ready to receive it. Mm. And he will answer when the timing is right and his ways are good, regardless of what I see in front of me. And that having this thing, whatever it may be, does not take away from his goodness. It is not uh, an absolute, you know, I must have this or else. Right. And so, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the things that we have to get in our minds is that God's faithfulness is not dependent on his yes or his no. It's his faithfulness is who he is. Mm, And it's impossible for him to be anything but faithful. Yeah. You mentioned there were three ways that we interpret his no. Mm -hmm. One of them is through an orphan mentality. We kind of try to take things in our own hands. What are the other two ways? The other two ways are that we become angry Mm. (laughs) and 
that we just sort of distance ourselves. And I alluded to that before where we, we may not necessarily try to take the situation to our own hands, but we don't come to him as much. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't necessarily see that as we're doing it, but we can look back and we can see. Uh, And then another way that we respond, I think the other way that I talk about is that we try to manipulate him. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And say, you know, if you give me this, then, you know, I will, I will do X, Y, Z, or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Do you have any daily practices that help you facilitate keeping your eyes fixed on the unseen? Let me just say right off the bat uh, that I do not do these things perfectly. And there are some days when I, I just don't do them at all. But the the day when things go well and I keep my eyes fixed on him are days when I take a walk. I usually will take my dog with me. I'll go for a walk and I will just pray and talk to God. Mm. And I will tell him whatever's on my mind, whatever's burdening me. And sometimes I'll just be silent too. And I will just let him speak to my heart. I also spend time getting into his word. And usually for me, I've heard that morning is the best time to do that. Usually in the morning, I can only do a short verse or devotion. I'm not a morning person. Uh And so it's not until later in the afternoon where I will go deeper into the word. And I usually have some sort of study that I'm doing. I usually try to do something where I can get deeper into the word and really study it. Do you see in this in this book, how this has kind of helped changed your perspective, changed how you see things? Do you find yourself being able to teach your kids the same thing? Yes, actually I do. And believe it or not, this pandemic has provided a lot of opportunity for me to do that. Yes. <laughs> and it, it hasn't been a, in a way that I would have chosen to do it. But especially with my oldest son, my oldest is 12 and he's in middle school and he's really been challenged by this whole season. And he's mm-hmm. been having a hard time with the virtual school. He wants to be back in class with his friends and who could blame him, you know, but he has also been attending a youth group right now. They're taking a break because of the numbers in our area. But when he was attending the youth group, he really started asking me questions about faith about hearing from God, how Mm. you know it's God, how to recognize the voice of God and that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, asking me, mom, you know, why, why don't I hear the voice of God? You know, why don't I hear him answer this prayer or why haven't I seen this? And at first I have to admit it, it worried me a little bit, but then I thought, you know, if my son isn't asking questions about his faith, then he's not growing, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's not going anywhere or moving forward. And so I really came to see it as a blessing and a gift. And it's really opened up some great conversations for us to have with him. Yeah, I have a 12 year old too, only he's my youngest. And 
we've had conversations too. This, you know, the pandemic has been hard on us all, some worse than others. So I don't want to minimize anybody else's pain and suffering they're going through, but we each have our own burden to bury or to carry (laughs) in this time. And some behaviors have started coming out. Mm -hmm. And I realize it's because that's how he's processing things. And instead of looking at it at face value, I've been trying to shift my perspective and kind of try to get to the root of what he's dealing with. And it's opened up conversation with him to get to his heart. And that's the main goal. I like what you did in the book in that you ask questions at the end, adjusting our lens. It's Mm -hmm. not just here you are teaching all of us how to do this, but you're asking us questions to kind of apply it to our own lives. In the, in another chapter, the power of perspective, how to build an altar of remembrance. And this is another reason why I love this book is because it's practical application Tell us what that altar of remembrance is that you refer to. Yeah. So Julie, as I was reading through scripture for this book, it really struck me how people in the Old Testament would build these altars. And I have to admit, a lot of times I would just read past that, you know, brush past it, and I wouldn't really pay much attention to it. And then it struck me that, that is one of the ways that they remembered the goodness of God and mm. the fact that he had delivered them from whatever it was, you know, whether it be a battle with the Amalekites or what have you. And they would even give God a new name. And so, for example, Ebenezer, you know, and mm. this, thus far, God has been with us and brought us through. And so an altar of remembrance, the way that I describe it in that chapter is you take these little stones and you can do this a number of different ways. This is just the way that I came up with, but you can collect them from nature or you can go to a craft store and buy them and get a mason jar And each time God answers a prayer or delivers you from a hardship or just brings you through a difficult season, then write it on these stones, write a new name for whatever it was that he brought you through. So comforter, healer, you know, whatever it is. And then when you're going through something and you're having a difficult time, thinking, am I going to get through this? Mm. And is this ever going to end? Like this pandemic, you know, is this ever going to end? Then look back at that. And that will be a visual reminder to you that God has been faithful that far or thus far, and he will continue to be faithful to bring you through. Yeah, I love it. Is there a Bible character that you most connect or identify with? Hmm. That is a good question. I would have to say, I hate to compare myself to this person because I think that she was so much more devoted than I am. But the Mm. person that came to mind was Mary Magdalene and just how Jesus was her everything, you know, and he, he brought her 
out of this pit, you know, Mm. where she was just so oppressed by these demons that tormented her. And I can certainly look back on my own life and see that God delivered me Mm. from my own uh, selfish devices and all the different ways that I tried to run from him. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Okay. One more question. What is one character trait of God that you have been focused on lately? I have been focusing on his compassion and just, he is so kind with us. And I think compassion is something that our world could use more of right now. Oh yeah. So I've been focusing on the ways that he didn't speak to everyone the same. You know, he, Mm. he looked at their own unique situation and what they were going through what they had come from, and he met them where they were. Mm, that's to good. me, that's the definition of compassion, you know, is to see somebody, to really see them. I was talking with another guest, and we talked about the scripture where Mary and Martha were grieving Lazarus dying. Yeah. And even though Jesus knew he was going to raise him from the dead, he still wept. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was because he was moved with compassion. He knew their suffering. He knew how they felt. Yeah. So that's good. Where can my listeners find you? Yeah, they can find me at abbymcdonald.org. And I would love to connect with them there. I have a free gift, the Daughter's Manifesto, that they are signing up for email updates. It's just a reminder of who we are in Christ. And I think that that's something that every woman can use and every man, really. Yeah. But. It, it, daughter, I say yeah. woman, daughter, yeah. but the truths apply to men and women. Sure. So. Well, you'll all just have to go to Abby McDonald, A-B-B-Y-M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.org. Yes. And get it for yourselves. So, well, Abby, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate you letting me be here. So friends, how are you going to shift your perspective today? How are you going to make the choice to look for God, even when the circumstances tell you that he's not there. In closing, I would like to read a review that one of our listeners left just recently. She writes, it's authentic and encouraging. Julie sets an encouraging tone with practical steps to follow to become all God wants us to be. Thank you so much, Sue. That means the world to me. That's why I do this podcast, because I want everyone to be walking in the calling that God has placed on their lives. And we need in this time that we're living in right now, we need every one of us to be engaged in that calling. Can you imagine what the world would be like if every believer was walking in the gifts and the callings that God gave them? That would be amazing. So thank you again, Sue, and I hope you'll continue listening and sharing it with your friends. See you next time.